0: Hi, welcome to the 11th episode of The Lob Gang. On this episode, we will be discussing the amazing um, show that came out this past year. Um, And I believe the last season, or the last episode from the first season wrapped up
1: in August, I think. Yeah, it seems months ago, but I feel like it was August or like September.
0: Yeah. But yeah, we're going to be speaking about I May Destroy You and It Look
1: O'Cole's like just incredibly nuanced take. Yeah, and I just wanted to also disclaim that the series definitely touches on sexual assault and just the variations of that. So if that is triggering for you or... Um, if you don't wanna to listen to that right now, then I would definitely not continue on and Brenda and I may also go into like personal accounts and like how it touched on our own reflections, so I just wanted to give that heads up before we like dive into the show um yeah, I guess for you, Brenda, like what was your first impression like if you can like trace back to the first episode?
0: um, I wanna say like because I have this tendency to want to finish things like all in one sitting. <laughs> uh, my first impression is kind of like a conglomeration of watching like the first like three or four episodes. And I I don't know, I think I'd mentioned earlier like off, off the record that like this, um, this is a show that made me feel very uncomfortable in a lot of different ways similar to like watching atlanta but at the same time like the experience is completely different because being um a brown queer person like there are a lot of things in atlanta that were super jarring to see um but and i may destroy you being a queer as a queer brown person i was like okay actually um like in this series like it it felt like a lot of reflections were taking place and i found myself recounting um being in like similar situations and not really having the the tools or like the words at the time to grasp what was happening and so it really made me think about all of those experiences and i think for like a lot of the audience too you know um so going into it like i definitely was confronted like with my own past and um like a very like similar account of like sexual assault um, that I faced when I turned 18. But then moving forward, I found myself like, thinking about the different ways that I had responded to that event taking place and how I was also like the perpetrator of like certain like unhealthy behaviors and how they had probably affected others um, in that time period. And so really, like, really made me feel super introspective, even though, like, I found myself, like, kind of on edge. Like, it was – it's, like, it's a show that I preferred to watch, like, alone. Like, I didn't want to watch it with other people because it felt so intimate and, like, so up close. And um, I think we watched – I don't know if you were there, but I know we watched one of the episodes and –
1: We watched the first few episodes together. yeah. And I remember both of us just being like really distraught and upset afterwards yeah. and being like, okay, we need like a couple hours just to process like okay. that one episode.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> um and were like you weren't there when I watched one of the episodes with Griffin, right?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: Okay. i w I'm forgetting who it was. Like I wonder if it was Deja, but I know she hasn't watched the whole thing. But Griffin is my um my white male partner (laughs) and like it was I think it must have been like the sixth or the seventh episode and I was like yeah like there the plot isn't like super linear to like where you're not going to understand what's going on but like I have to watch this because like we're going to be discussing it soon so so you know I just remember him sitting there and uh, me feeling like very uncomfortable because he was there I, I almost was like I don't know if he should be here right now he hasn't watched the whole thing from the beginning so like I don't know how he's processing it but um, yeah I don't know the whole, the whole season was just felt very intimate very up close um, but at the same time like very like revelational but how did you
1: like, I felt I think because it's so raw and so stark and the way that it's written and the way that like the actors portray it, it makes it hard to like not personalize your own experience because they've given so many different um, experiences of like the spectrum of intimacy and like sexual assault. So I feel like each person can like find themselves in the show. Mm -hmm. and I also haven't seen anything that has portrayed it in such a like matter-of-fact way like it's not clouded it's not elusive it's just really bare and in your face and I think for me that was pretty potent because it it made me want to like bring up my experiences and like examine them in that kind of way Mm -hmm. and I think that's why it's so powerful for multiple people and I know everyone hasn't watched it because it draws these things up to the surface, but the people I have, it's definitely like brought them a lot of introspection and reflection. And I feel like that's why folks should definitely tune into it. And it's also just amazing to see that she took her own personal experience and had the courage and like bravery to share it in this way. Mm. Because it's not like she's a perfect hero, you know, like we see her ups and downs and like the complexity of her throughout it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that she touches on like um, her various experiences going through it. And it doesn't feel like, I don't know, it never feels corny. Like it feels so real and tangible. Um, And I think it's because like even on chewing gum, like I feel like she is just like this very like vulnerable like empowered sometimes like sometimes brash sometimes silly um but just like an incredibly like potent person and that like comes out in her writing um and like we see so many aspects like of her persona where like we find ourselves like like laughing with her like you know like crying with her <laughs> like and and not a lot of people have the ability to like bring about all those emotions and she just does it so incredibly well so it's like honestly like I I feel like I revere her in this in this way and I can't I I don't know I don't know if if there will be a season two because it felt like it touched on everything and like the story kind of just like wrapped up in season one but even if there is like a season two that's released, like I'm excited to see what you know what she comes up with. But um yeah, I I'm just like trying to like draw like comparisons right now. I think diving a little bit deeper, what I wanted to examine was like the fact that she um she presented herself as this as this like imperfect person. Like all of us are imperfect. And I think there's so much of a focus on like presenting ourselves as these like champions and like superheroes and like kind of like this guiding force of light, especially like within the social media sphere and the fact that she literally examines that like, you know, with a magnifying glass and is like, like it, it just shows like how self-aware she is, you know, and it was just like very brave of her to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it also is like examining it when you spoke about examining it deeply, like what came to my mind was how her character shifts throughout the show and like how the story unravels with that shift and like how that also layers with like her stages of grief and her stages of remembrance of the incident. Mm -hmm. And I remember in the first episode or – was it the first or second, but it's when she, no, I think it was the second episode. Um, She doesn't really acknowledge that the rape was happening to her. Mm. You know, like she just couldn't fathom that that was happening to her. And she had gone to, came up with all these other conclusions and like, even went to um, Simon's like, the mistress's house you know it was like my friend raped you like came to that conclusion instead of like trusting what she was seeing in her mind because that reality was just like too painful for her to like come to terms with and I think just like as a collective the ways that we like mask our pain and like shy away from it because we don't want to like come to come to conclusion with like what it is that we have gone through but then like her going from that moment into her like going into these various ways of surviving like she had that phase where she was going ham on social media Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that just turned into like her losing her connection with her friends and then not having like empathy and compassion when it came to, like, Kwame's experience Mm -hmm. and just, like, canceling him.
0: I also think that Terry never really actually got to address what happened with her, with Arabella, like, you know, in the series. I think the first time Terry actually openly gets to talk about it, it's when she's, like, on that date. And, um, And so, yeah, you know, I think, like, sometimes like when we've been through trauma it's like during the healing process we feel like we're at the end of the healing process and we'd like to hold space for other people but sometimes we can't <laughs> and sometimes us holding space for people in those moments like we maybe we have the capacity but we don't have like the language and we we don't know how to comfort because it's like we haven't figured out like how we can actually comfort ourselves Like in the Mm. obvious way. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think we saw that like kind of unravel when um, when Kwame came forward, and yeah, and I think you know she was like, oh, like there's this cute guy, like you know, and then like locked him in the room (laughs) with him like unaware that like this shit happened, and like why that was so traumatizing like in the moment right in her mind she was just like oh like i'm doing a cute thing i'm just like setting up my
1: friend i think also that she was trying to like soothe her pain with social media and with that kind of connectivity
2: Mm -hmm. and in a
1: way turning to that actually made her desensitized right to the kind of care that she needed Mm-hmm. and i think like for us um i can see when people lean into that but it just makes me want to think of what are ways that we should actually be supporting each other tangibly and like outside of social media cuz it's really easy to like gain support if we post something or share something or just need to process something through it, but what are we losing um, in that kind of exchange?
0: yeah, I think we definitely become very dependent on that like validation like um, on the likes <laughs> and i'm I'm wondering like whether this this shift in like our language was I, it's like the chicken this is such a tangent it's like the chicken and the egg argument or like oh. this. and I'm wondering if like Facebook and uh the act of liking things is why we say like so much now
1: honestly that I would love to read something about that <laughs> <laughs> because <Love yeah>. it. <laughs> it's used in a different way though it's used in comparison instead of "I'm actually liking something."
0: Yeah, but definitely.
1: I don't know if we just put us put it put it in our like mental framework more. Right, right.
0: It's yeah. You know, it's like targeted ads, so it's like these targeted words. <laughs> and um, but anyway, other than that, yeah, I think we really become dependent on these on these likes and like comments from strangers, um, who who have like the best intentions in mind, but it's not always like, it's not always the best thing for us. Um, and so we become like more isolated in that process. And because we're so, we're so dependent on like that juice, we like lose like foresight of like, oh wait, these are the tangible things around me that like are actually gonna help me in my healing process. Um, right. Yeah.
1: And she wasn't receiving a lot of criticism Mm -hmm. Or, you know, just, like, a spectrum of response from her supporters on social media because you can't really, like, provide that through social media. Yeah. And then also, like, when that was happening, it was such a shift because, like, throughout the season, I felt like we were all, like, supporting Arabella and, like, supporting her healing. And, like, her friends on the show were, like, so down for her and doing all these things for her. And then we were just, like, hit with the realization that, like, she can still be flawed. And, like, even though these people have shown up for her, like, she may not be able to do that. Or she herself can, like, not, obviously not assault someone, but just, like, put someone in a harmful environment that can remind them of assault.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So it's, like, how do we as survivors, like, practice compassion? yeah for others to have different experiences from us
0: yeah i think the current like state of the world in which we live in is very like hyper focused on like me and like what i've been through and like no one understands but it's like we've all been through it you know so (laughs) we must definitely work towards holding more compassion for others and um it's, I don't know, it makes me think of like, I've, I've gotten this from like a couple people where they're like, oh, like you're so forgiving. Like, how do you like, how are you able to like rekindle certain friendships? And like, aren't you um, concerned about like your boundaries, et cetera. And I'm kind of just like, it's not, it's not a perfect process. I am still working on like how to create better boundaries. But at the same time, like I'm still, even though what happened to me, I'm still able to like channel some sort of compassion and meet them at where they were and see what they might have been going through at that time. And so I feel like a lot of us can like lose sight of that. And I'm not saying that like I'm like this emblem, <laughs> but like because I've I've definitely you know I've I've had a hard time like holding compassion for like people in my direct circle that. Um, that I've actually like shown up for me a bunch. And, you know, I've I've just kind of like turned like a blind eye to that because I'm like operating from a place of like so much fear and like hurt and whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's like important to remember that like healing is like an imperfect process. There's no like set way to go about healing. And right. And it it just like, it requires a lot of patience, Um, not only, not only patience towards yourself, but then like under, or yeah, not only patience towards yourself, but also surrounding yourself with people that, that have that kind of patience. But, you know, sometimes when, when we live in these like very like hyper urbanized, like capitalistic states, not all of us have the privilege of having like super grounding friends and just super like healthy friendships that that are holding space for us and like I think I'm like trying to envision envision a world in, in where like community I don't know community is like what's focused on it. I'm glad that like our friend group is like so hyper focused like on community in a place where like we can like forgive each other for like our flaws. And, you know, like, work past them rather than, like, cancelling each other.
1: Right. And I think that goes back to the instant gratification Mm -hmm. within, like, capitalism and then, like, social media and consumerism. Right. And that that action definitely, like, traced a lot of Arabella's experience in the beginning because I feel like... She wasn't approaching her healing to actually heal. Mm -hmm. She was approaching it so she could finish her book, right, and survive. You know, because that was a more fearful and more scary than her not processing this traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: it also makes me want to address. um, I'm forgetting his name. What the brown guy. What what is his name? Yes. Zane. There we go. Zane. <laughs> yeah, that whole experience was like I was just like ah! <laughs> the whole time. Up until like, you know, pretty much like the last two episodes, because we think we've seen like the last of him. He gets banished, he gets cancelled, and then he comes back up again and i i wouldn't have that was like a major plot twist like i wouldn't have seen that coming at all like, <laughs> the fact that he like released a book like under a pseudonym and right. you know at, his first reaction is like to block arabella when she sends him that really goofy video message on the toilet on the toilet and um but then he like reaches out to her like from a burner phone <laughs> And it's like, yeah, like I'll have, I'll have, like, what, what, whatever, like coffee with you. Like we can discuss this thing. And I remember like feeling the same way as Arabella in that moment, being like, oh my god, who is it gonna be? Like, yeah, like whatever. It's just gonna be the person that wrote the book, and then like it ends up being same. <laughs> and she has this like really confused response to seeing him naturally. Um, Where you know she's like acting from from this place of like empowerment, but also is like very like confused. And I forget what exactly she says.
1: Do you remember? I don't remember what she says. But I think she just is like, okay, that's this is what it is. Let's do this. That's the energy. Don't get close
0: to me. Like I can not report you. Like something, something. Um, and then yeah, she kind of like accepts that that's what's happening, and. But yeah, touching back to like what had happened between them, like that was so nuanced because it's still is like a really perplexing thing that like happens like every day, and um you know i think I think he fucked up, and it definitely like counts as like deception and assault or rape you know as per the dictionary but then and and so i'm like thinking like if she hadn't seen like the condom on the floor he would have just gone about like doing that you know and not really understanding the um
1: the gravity of it,
0: gravity behind yeah what he did and like the consequences surrounding that and so He does catch him and then he ends up like, you know, going to the store and then like he buys the plan B. And it was like, it was kind of like a cute moment because I was like, that's nice. Like he's taking like responsibility. But at the same time, he did get
1: caught like red handed. Um, Mm. Yeah. What would that have looked like if he didn't? Like, would he have told her? Right. Because either way, he's acting on her body in a way that she didn't consent to.
0: Right, exactly. So it was very messy. (laughs) Um, and then naturally, like she took out, she took out like her, you know, her trauma that she was still dealing with, and her trust levels were already like so depleted from from like what happened at the bar and then to like experience this with Karen um and you know she like called him out at like the the meeting that she was at it was like a social i don't know it was like um her book her, book, her, her book release or reading i think it was a reading maybe yeah it was a reading and um yeah and basically just like went all out <laughs> yeah and called him the fuck out and i was just like uh no this could be handled differently
1: <laughs> yeah but also that rage is righteous yeah and who knows how many people he's done that to and how far along that's gone
0: yeah so i don't know I'm not trying to apologize for his actions at all but yeah. I like i think I, I don't know it's interesting again because it's like social media as as a powerful tool right like
2: mm-hmm.
0: actually not had that much clout like would it have gained traction like would he, it have gone to the place of him like having to completely like retract his name from like the public eye like having to use a pseudonym and Yeah, I don't know. I don't think she, I don't think Michaela's intention was to, like, kind of show, like, yeah, I don't, I mean, I think she was definitely, like, trying to say that, like, her rage is, like, like righteous, and that's, like, something that totally happens, but at the same time, I think because of, like, how it went down, I don't know, it just, it's, it's, like, on this, like, really fine line of, like, is it, I don't know, is it, like, okay? (laughs) You
1: know, mm, yeah i I don't believe I have a say in what's okay in someone else's healing process,
2: yeah, is the
1: conclusion I come to, obviously, that could have been handled differently, but maybe it was done in that way to show us the extent of of these experiences and the extent Mm -hmm. of calling someone out versus calling them in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how even in the process of calling in, um, just like touching on my own experiences with people, the process of calling someone in is requires more emotional bandwidth and almost investment in a person and their healing journey and their acknowledgement journey and their growth journey Mm. and that like righteous anger is effective in a way where it kind of stops and paralyzes someone in their tracks and then they have to go pick up the pieces themselves.
0: Yeah, I think the only reason why like it even made me think so much was because it brought such a like visceral like reaction from me because I went through like I was so I was raped um on my 18th birthday and like I've talked to you about this but I basically like was at a party, felt really uncomfortable um and just wanted to go home and so I like reached out to this guy on Tinder who I had um I had interacted with a bunch, like, over the course of, like, you know, the past, like, month and a half, and so, like, even though I knew, like, there was, like, the sexual interest that he, like, you know, he was interested in me, and that he probably, like, realized, like, oh, like, she turned 18 or whatever, so, like, it's cool now, but anyway, I was, like, yeah, I'm just trying to get home, like, would you be down to pick me up and drop me off, and it'd be cool to, like, hang out, you know, a little bit, and, um, you know getting into his car like he came getting into his car it was like immediately like like heart sinking into my stomach feeling like I felt like I had slipped into like a wolf's lair like I, I remember that feeling so intensely and um like even though I was like so drunk and like pretty out of it just did not feel good and um and yeah like after that I don't remember anything like I my, mom, my, my memory is like completely blank. And then I woke up in the backseat of his car and it was like 7 a.m. or something. The sun was just coming up. And I just see him like next to me with his penis out and trying to like shove it inside of me. And so my was just like, how long have I been here? Um, what else has he done? <laughs> like, I'm only now regaining consciousness. This is fucked up. I I was terrified, and, like, the door was locked, and so I had to, like, do, like, the unlocking motion, and I was just, like, what the actual fuck, and then he realized that, like, you know, like, I was, like, actually up and in my senses, and he was, like, well, like, I can, I can just take you home, and I was, like, no, like, fuck you, (laughs) like, what the hell, Um, and so I just remember, like, having this, like, walk of shame back home, and, like, falling asleep in my bed, my parents waking up, Waking me up actually like an hour later, being like, "What the fuck? Like, you you look wrecked. Like, what happened?" Um, and I think I like at one point like fainted and like fell on the ground. Like, it was just really bad and um, really traumatizing. And so, flash forward like I don't know. I think maybe like six months after. I obviously like didn't really get to talk to any anyone about it. Like, I don't think my friends were really equipped me to like explain what happened. I couldn't talk to my parents about it, and I was just graduating so i I couldn't really like talk to like any of my teachers about it who I was like close to so yeah flash forward I was like in a relationship, but it was long distance and it was like kind of toxic because um my partner at the time like was like dealing with like mental health issues and was like on and off a bunch of like medications so it was like, I just felt like he wasn't really supporting me. And so I found myself kind of like placing myself in these like weird situations to just to like feel something, like feel like a grain of something. And sometimes I would like report back to him, like things that happened so that he would feel something and he would feel some type of way. And I remember like hanging out with this one guy who um, I went on like a date or two with prior to even to even like meeting uh, my boyfriend at the time. And so I ended up hanging out with him because he like went to the same college as me. And he like took me to his house and stuff. And like, I kind of remember like feeling cute, feeling like, yeah, like, uh, I don't know. Like, I was like, I don't know what my like 18, 19 year old brain was thinking at the time, but like, yeah maybe something will happen maybe something will not happen i don't know but i probably won't have sex with him but i just kind of want to like turn him on a little bit i don't know something like really like stupid like that and i go to his house and we end up having sex and like halfway through that i just immediately end up feeling really bad about it and not because i was like cheating on my boyfriend but Simply because I was like, wait, no, like, I, I'm not, like, my body is not consenting to this anymore. But mm. also at the same time, it's, like, I made the active decision to, like, make out with him and, you know, let him, like, let him have sex with me. Um, but then because I didn't want to anymore, I didn't know how to, like, stop it. Like, I, I was like, well, if I say no now, like, he's gonna think I'm, like, an idiot or, like, you know, he's gonna, like, not take me back home or some shit. Like, not take me back to my dorm. And just, like, all these, like, thoughts were going through my head. Um, So, yeah, like, we kind of – he was, like, almost close to, like, finishing. And then at that point, I was, like, eh, sorry. I just – I don't think this is cool. And then, you know, he takes me back, whatever. He was, like, is everything okay? Like, I'm sorry if I did something. Um, And I used that experience and turned it into – like, I falsified it as rape, basically, because my, my ex and I were fighting. And then I, I basically, like, used that situation against him. And I was like, well, like, if only you knew what I've been through. And I and then he was like, what? Like, what happened? Like, I don't know. You haven't told me. And then I was like, well, I was raped. Like, that's why, like, I haven't been, like like, I don't know, stable or whatever the fuck. And... And so, yeah, like I think i like I definitely like have like demonized like you know certain experiences where like i did have i did have a say in them, you know, and I think like going back to the show like there I feel like there's instances where there are where there is like deception and not just from like like a male character like imposing it on like. Someone else, but I think like even some of like the femme identifying characters have that like character flaw in them, um, which makes me think about Theo's experience, the one white chick,
2: because
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, she falsely like claimed that this one dude like raped her, and there are obviously like really heavy ramifications because the show obviously goes into like talking about like class and like race, etc., And her being like a white girl claiming that this like black dude raped her, like had some very like serious consequences.
2: Right.
0: Um, and yeah, that's when it like really hit me. And I feel like, I feel like thinking back to my experience, I'm like, how could I have handled that differently if I had like the proper tools and the resources to have been able to actually address and heal through the, the, main instance of me
1: getting like you know me getting raped right and it it goes back to us learning this language too and understanding what like consent and what the levels of intimacy are and that first incident for you you know like you didn't have any autonomy and you didn't even have the ability to like fully say no because you weren't conscious you know and then like the second experience where like you are pretty conscious in what's going on but like you feel yourself leaving your body Mm -hmm. and so like physically when that's already happened it's hard to even just stop it because you're like make you're finally creating the action of like this isn't okay and like now I actually have to verbalize that this isn't isn't okay
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and a lot of the way intimacy and like sex is portrayed to us in media, especially is through so many physical cues. Like, you know, we don't really see what goes on verbally much. If people are like, is this okay? Can I touch you in this way? Do you want me to stop? And people just being okay with stopping something that has already started. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to remember if that showed up in the show. Um, Like what? healthy instances did we see in the show uh when Kwame
0: finally starts like opens up and like ends up having like like an emotional relationship rather than like a physical one Uh, um when uh, when Terry like starts dating that trans person and like opens up to them Right, and I think that might be it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously like, really? Like, I mean, it's mirroring the world. <laughs> We're like still trying to. Um.
0: I think also, you know, Biagio and
1: Bellagio. <laughs> <laughs> We <laughs> kept calling Biagio Bellagio I was night. really tired last night, <laughs> I called him Bellagio once <laughs> with a lot of confidence. <laughs> no, I was like, that's not his name, and you were like, no, it is. But no, let's talk about Biagio. Yeah, let's talk about that. I, I was
0: just going <laughs> to say that like, even though their relationship was largely toxic, we do see like that, those sweet moments that they shared, you know, when he like goes down on her and she's like, oh, I'm on my period. The blood clot? <laughs> it got like hit for you. You were like, damn. What? Yeah, you were <laughs> like, oh my God. Like, I really liked
1: seeing I did like Biagio. Yeah, you were saying- But that there. made me examine my soft spot for emotionally damaged, mm-hmm. like sad boys right because that's what he is is. um and he he was like super projecting what happened the trauma that he experienced with his mom and sister dying onto arabella right which is uh, and, and that just adds another layer because we we meet people who may be who know how to practice consent and like care and are able to take care of us in that way But then he's, like, still not fully respecting her full identity or her complexity. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And it was definitely, like, leaning towards possessiveness.
0: Right. And
1: blaming her for what happened to her. Yeah. Versus the man.
0: You know, up until that point when she, like, he was not answering her calls. He was not answering her texts. Like, after she went back to the UK um, and she was, like, in London for a bit. And because of, like, the experience of what happened to her, I think she also kept, like, living in this sort of, like, delusion that um, that Biagio is the one, you know? He was going to, like, help her and, like, be there for her and, like, protect her probably in this way. And so she, like, flies out to Italy um, or takes a train or whatever to see him. And it was just wild because she, like, literally didn't take anything with her like left all of her possessions behind, like you could just casually do that. Um, which I guess you can if you live like (laughs) Well, I don't think she was
1: obviously thinking it through, you know. She wasn't, she
0: wasn't, but like I I don't know, I liked seeing the casualness of it. Like I'ma just go to this whole ass other country. (laughs) And it's accessible. I mean it wasn't because she like needed help like getting that ticket. Like she was in a
1: financially rough spot. Right. Um, and that was her lowest point and i think because yeah. of what he meant to her like he also existed outside of this experience in this world in this community and she was able to make him a safe space in that way right. but then when it came down to it he was not
0: he was not at all and that scene where she just like he, she goes in to his house because she saw his key um he comes in as like still like nice about it like soft about it um but then i think he something happens where he just like leaves right or he no she orders pizza she orders pizza and he's like oh yeah like do you want to go get it and she goes and gets it and he just locks the door yeah and you know doesn't like have a conversation with her about it or anything and it's like you could have just done that And I've been in that situation where it's like the other person's response is to just straight up just block you and then to like physically block you. That's like a whole other level. And when he finally came out and he had like the gun in his hand, that I think that was like the spark for her. And she was just like fucked up. And I related to that as well because I've been in like a similarly like abusive relationship where the other person, until the other person actually made, like, a physically violent attempt, um, like, you know, on my life, (laughs) like, then I was like, oh, wait, yeah, I can't be here anymore, like, I truly cannot, because it's not even just my emotional well-being, it's my whole last life that's being impacted because of this, and... And so, like, I appreciated that, like, that was addressed, too, because it, you know, like, sometimes relationships aren't, like, we don't see them as abusive until, like, they actually get to that point. And then it becomes really, for some people, it's easy then to, like, retract from it and be like, yeah, actually, that's the final straw. But then for some other people, they're like, wait, no, I can still fix that. I can change that aspect of them. And that's kind of, I think, how they get sucked into it. And obviously there's like a codependency, et cetera. But um, I feel like I related to Michaela because then I was like, in the same way she was like, yeah, wait, no, this is bad for me. And I can't anymore. I similarly was just like, yeah, wait, no, like, I can't, I can't do this. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It was just like very like emotional
1: during that scene. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> and I think with him specifically it was that emotional block because she she triggered something in his trauma that obviously made his like fear of abandonment and his fear of attachment flare up. So it's, like, even though some people may provide us with the physical or sexual, sexual care and intimacy we need, when it comes to something emotional, they just can't properly mm-hmm. hold space for that. Right.
0: Well, what were some pivotal moments where you were, like, damn, like, I can relate, or, like, damn, this is, like,
1: really affecting me? Ah. Uh, Um, probably the initial rape scene and Mm -hmm. the way it played out in her memory and it just made me retrace like my own instances of assault and abuse and that process of like retrieving something and then like coming back into my body and I mean there's different instances because things happened in my childhood Mm -hmm. and then there was like instances in my early 20s that definitely happened and I think at this point like what I come back to is like kind of what you said is with your experience when you were like 18 with that guy who picked you up like you were completely unconscious and then you had that other experience where like you, it wasn't rape in the way that you thought it was, but it was you not being able to like say no. And I feel like for myself personally, I've like had to get to a place where like my body and mind and like spirit has like finally caught up, mm-hmm. and like that is what allows me to like say no when I don't want something, mm-hmm. and, like, actually verbalize my boundaries. Um but yeah a lot of that has been having to just sit with myself and like really and therapy or just other forms of like healing that allow me to trace fully back into those memories Mm. because if I didn't do that then like I'm not aware of how they're still informing the actions that I take right now right and what else um I guess like with the calling in and calling out um there like with one of my previous relationships I could have called this person out but instead I ch- took the path of like calling them in mm. and I guess it doesn't really show up on the show but just um all of the emotions of kind of rage and then acceptance and forgiveness that came with that because instead of this the way that she called Zane out is just like it's like a quick moment and like all of the rage and anger kind of well there's probably still some remaining but like a lot of it comes out in that moment Mm -hmm. but I think taking the path of like calling someone in the emotions like come out like not slowly but I guess more gradually and not in such like dramatic and like intense spurts. And so for me, it's just like the process of, oh, do I still feel like I need to call this person out on a social media platform or call them out in a way where like this act is aligned with their name? Or does my healing look like accepting that this person has actually changed and is able to have healthy relationships now Mm -hmm. even though that came at the cost of my suffering and like them realizing that they hurt me
2: yeah absolutely um
0: i think there is i mean there's obviously like validity and rage um But when I think of, like, calling someone out, I'm kind of also, like, I I don't know, like, I think about, like, if, what if, like, I got called out, you know, like, how would I react to it? Like, and then how would I be able to move, like, in the world in, in, like, a healthy way and not feeling like now I have, like, this tag on my back? And, you know, and there's, no, there's actually no more space for me to, like, experience, like, life as, like, a, like, as, like, a, as a flawed human, but, like, still as a human that is trying to work towards, like, bettering themselves every day. And, and so, right, I think in the past few months, we've been kind of, like, seeing more of this, like, call in, not call out culture. Um, which I think is super important. And I think like in the case of like what um what David the white dude did to Michaela, yeah, call him the fuck out because he's like an abuser and he you know, he's a rapist. But I think sometimes like we we also have to like take into account like how how men have been like socially conditioned to like operate in the world and like And how, like, it is kind of, like, on us to educate them. Because if we don't do it, then who will, you know? But at the same time, it doesn't mean, like, coddle them. It doesn't mean, like, hold their hand through the process. Like, obviously, like, go do your own research. Go, like, go sit in at at workshops, whatever. Go to therapy. But I think there still needs to be space for someone to be, like, I think you should do this. For yourself and for like the sake of society versus being like fuck you you're a shit human being like go die asshole scum
1: (laughs) yeah I that goes back to naming our pain you know Mm -hmm. if we name the way that they hurt us instead of I mean if you want to call them a shitbag scum face asshole too like go for it but tell them why Mm -hmm. you have the ability to like tell them why And there's obviously, like, so many levels of what this could be and, like, some levels. And then that just makes me think about, like, incarceration, you know? Like, if we're moving towards prison abolition, then what does a rape sentence look like if a prison doesn't exist, you know? Like, would we translate that into, like, community care and, like, having this person speak to elders if they're younger, if they did this and they're they're younger, like having them speak to elders and like having them sit with like spiritual counselors and like mental health counselors. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I see us moving more towards that instead of moving towards just disposing of someone because people aren't disposable in that way for my perception. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, um, I feel like the Hershey theory is very real, like, the farther left you go, the farther right you become, because there are definitely people that are, like, that would be like, yeah, well, since we're not gonna have prisons, like, let's just participate in, like, public stonings (laughs) of the rapists. and it's, like, so scary, because I, I started watching Handmaid's Tale, and it's, like, Ugh, it's so bad. Like, It's just so traumatizing. And I don't think that it the show has handled race in, like, a nuanced way. Like, it, like, envisions, um, oh, my God, this person's going off with their horn.
1: I hope they're having a great day.
0: They do this every day. <laughs> I think it's, like, the ice cream man or something. Yeah. But, yeah, basically, like, it's this, like, post um it's like the near future it feels very like it's obviously very dystopian. it's very dystopian but it's also not dystopian in this like like where like robots rule the world but like in where old traditions are brought back or not i don't even want to call them traditions because like fuck that shit
1: but <laughs> medieval, medieval dystopian
0: yeah it's um like the dark ages dystopia. Got it. <laughs> like, enlightenment. And so, women are treated as like these commodities. Um, and because of like what you may have done, like in the past, like society is basically de- uh, divided into these sex. And um, most of the men like end up either being like guardians, which means that they're basically just like military, because it is like very like fascist like military rule government kind of um so yeah you end up being a guardian which means you're just in the military you could be like an I, which is kind of like a like a private like investigator detective sort of role um you exist as like a plain clothes man or like you're like higher up somewhere like where you exist as like a commander or like a, sh- a chief and then you can part be a part of like the laboring class so like basically like some men don't have the opportunity to like rise up in the ranks but for the most part like whoever makes it to this this like society like they um like men have the upper hand obviously and then like women on each rung of like of class like have certain like abilities stripped away from them but like books are not a thing anymore like women aren't allowed to read books um if you're queer or like gay or whatever the fuck like You either like end up having to be like a Jezebel, like a prostitute who like works underground and basically serves the commanders and like all these like higher up officials, or like you get sent to the colonies where like you have to like you're like basically cleaning up, cleaning up waste, and you kind of end up having like a slow, sad death. Like it's like fast, like three years, but it's still like it's it's, like slow. Still, you know. Um, cause you don't get to live anymore. And like,
1: where was I going with this? Yeah. Where are you going with this? <laughs> we weren't even talking about this show, but I'm like, I think the point is coming. Yeah. I'm like, wait, hold
0: on. I'm not really sure where I was going with that, but I was just saying that like women are oppressed in like all these different ways and get treated as commodities and like don't have a voice. And, um, I was talking about the horseshoe theory, oh yes, yeah, okay, to <laughs> tie it all back together yes um circle cool. the handmaids are basically like like they're uh they're handmaids, so they're like mules, essentially, and they the only function that they serve is to to like birth these kids because most of the wives of the commanders. The, the idea is that, like, in this, in this world, because of, like, abortion and, um, like, birth control, etc., like, a lot of these wives, like, are not able, like, they're infertile, basically. Got it. And, and so, so, like, the handmaidens serve the purpose of, like, they go through this weird ceremony where they, like, hold the hand of the wife, And the handmaid's just, like, in the middle. Like, it's kind of just serving as, like, a conduit and channel. And, like, the husband, the commander person comes in and, like, forcefully, like, has sex, like, with the handmaiden. And it's just, like, this really, like... the wife
1: is still in the room? Huh?
0: Yeah. She's holding hands with the handmaiden. (laughs) Because they're, like, like, God will give us this child. Like, we need to be in this together. Like thank you handmaiden like you're doing some blah 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 like they do all these like weird mental gymnastics to make it seem like the handmaids are really like this um this like important person like in their lives but really like once once they have the child like they're basically just like yeah well fuck you like i actually hate you (laughs) because all the wives are like you know they're just angry because they're infertile so they're releasing like all their trauma and like all their shit like onto the handmaid. Um, but anyway, so there are men like within this whole society that like still end up like a man might end up raping like another handmaid, you know, like a commander might end up like having illicit relationship with another handmaid. And it like that, that's again, like that's like an illicit thing. Like it's like, it's not, it's something that's forbidden. It goes against like the scripture or whatever. And so the handmaids come together and like participate in like public stoning of like that person that raped them or that person mm-hmm. that was doing,
1: like, the handmaid. And- And they get away with that?
0: Hmm? No one,
1: they're allowed to do that? There's no authority barring no, from this. that? Got the it.
0: authority is like the handmaids are now to participate in this public stoning. Oh. That's like one of the few things they get to do. And they also, like, get to participate in, like, public hangings of, like, other men, too. So it's, like, fucked up because they're, like, obviously, like, pretty much at, like, the lowest level, like, a woman can be at in the society. But then they're, like, awarded these little things. And they're violent acts also. violent, like, traumatizing acts. Um, But, like, you see, like, how participating in those things, like, actually, like, traumatizes them furthermore. So what I'm trying to get to is, like, I don't think humans, like, humans can be violent and can be evil, but I don't think, like, we're, like, inherently evil. Right. So, like, do we, in the face of violence, like, do we also participate in violence or do we, like, participate in, like, the undoing of that violence? And I think that's, like, what we're trying, hopefully that's what we try to, like, head towards. But I also think that, like, of course, like, when your immediate life is in danger, then, like, self-defense is
1: a thing. Right. I think it goes back to the we have been dealt violence or others have been violent to us. And now are we going to turn that back on to them? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, because I feel like half of me is like, yes, like, bite the hand that bites
1: or... Bite the hand that feeds you poison.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: That's what I say. Like,
0: There's another one that's like, bite back, <laughs> I don't know, something like that, whatever. <laughs> um, so, yeah, half of me is, like, yeah, true, fuck them, but then the other half is, like, no, but compassion, and, like, <sighs> everyone can, like, de decolonize and, like, <laughs> unlearn. So, I don't know, these are, like, a lot of the thoughts that I've been
1: having since watching the show. What are you looking at? I was just thinking. (laughs) If everyone can decolonize. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Colonize or decolonize. Yeah, I don't know. And that one quote, um, I think his name is Kwame too. Hmm. I wish I knew what it was. But... um, how the United States and imperialism, if we approach, if we approach it as if it has a conscience, we're mm. not going to be able to defeat it because it doesn't have any conscious, like it doesn't have any compassion or morality. Yeah. So, but that's the larger state and the larger system. Right. But all of it is made up of human beings and people, you know, mm-hmm. and I think we lose sight that it's actual people who are still making these choices. And how can they like sensitize sensitize themselves and become emotionally empathetic?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And at what point will they value care and like love over like power? Yeah. And I then mean, that just
0: whole Last other topic where I'm just like white yeah. people and they're healing. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like at first they're like, okay, like I've read all the texts, um, I'm not racist. And then they're like, I'm dating someone that's that's of color, like, you know, that makes me not racist. And it's just like, Nope, nope, you're still being racist. <laughs> like you gotta go deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, But yeah, that's like a whole ass other kind of words.
1: Yeah, and then for me, it just goes back to people's fear of death, because they think they can hold a certain amount of power or or status or security or safety in this life. But how is that going to translate beyond it? Mm -hmm. Anyways. This is where, this is where I May Destroy You has led our brains, (laughs) our curious Gemini Taurus brains, went (laughs) off into different Um, landscapes.
0: I want to just like wrap it up though and kind of address the like very last episode. Okay. And it's like aptly titled Ego Death. Yes which is interesting because, you know, that's like also the name of the bar in the first episode and it's a recurring thing because she keeps going back there to like, search for answers, figure something out. Um, like even on Halloween, she goes back there. And, and so like, what do you think, in the context of the show, what do you think, or why do you think she called the bar ego death? Like this place where this like grave, harrowing experience took
1: place mm. I'm gonna sit with that do you feel like you already have an answer no really.
0: but I think um, in the last episode we see her replaying the the events of that night
1: and right and there's creating, all those different durations yeah creating conclusions for the events of that night um and how does it end like what reality actually takes place i don't think we see that
0: i don't think we i don't think there is like a real situation that takes place because in in the last episode we basically see arabella um figure like because she has the realization in like one of the prior episodes like who the guy is figures out like what his name is and so knows that like he's kind of a regular at that bar so she you know she has like all those like sticky notes and is trying to figure out how to wrap up her book Zane comes in and helps her and um we find out that not she didn't need to figure out how to finish her book she just needed to kind of like go through the events of that night in this like linear fashion and um and they're in in doing that like in perceiving it in these like three different ways maybe in some way like healing that trauma
1: yeah i think all the different iterations and it being related to ego death is showing that our abusers and those who are violent to us don't have the answer for us you know like will any explanation or will any reasoning justify that violence or that abuse or is that Mm -hmm. something that we have to Come to terms with like internally and through our own reflection and processing,
2: mm, mm.
1: and I think that's why she gave us all those different experiences because she was like, "Oh, if it went this way, and then it it went to the way to the version where he himself was abused," you know? Yeah, and it just put you in all these different like experiences, but a lot of and a lot of survivors are not really. I don't want to say they're not going to, but there may be survivors who never get that conclusion or that, what is it called when you... That resolution. Resolution. There's a word that starts with C, you know, when like something's ending and you're like, I need to... Closure. 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 They're never going to get that closure. And so how do you give yourself closure? Mm Mm-hmm. How do we like seal and like heal our own wounds? Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably why she used ego death. Is she had to like keep revisiting that event, and keep revisiting that trauma until she herself was able to like make peace with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really well put like way of describing that.
1: Now I'm going to like sit on this some more. <laughs> um, that was a good observation.
0: Thank you. But yeah, um, this whole episode is like full of spoilers. So I think I'm going to put like <laughs> a, a disclaimer. A disclaimer. But yeah, this, um, thank you for sitting with us and going through our thought process. Yeah, um, Lots of hot takes, lots of nuances that have been addressed within the show and the writing and, like, within, like, our own um, mind frame of, like, dealing with trauma. But I hope, I hope all of you, like, get to finish the show if you haven't finished it already and also interested in hearing, like, what other folks have to say. So, like, our DMs are open um and
1: yeah yeah thank you for tuning in we love all of you so much Mm -hmm. and if there are specific topics or questions things that you want us to cover like definitely also just hit us up and let us know and yeah that concludes our episode of glob
2: gang